The time has come, so turn up the sound. It's time for Buried Broadway. Hiya. Hello. I'm Jen Beverelli. And I'm Mikey Beverelli. And welcome to Buried Broadway. Where we discover, dissect, and demystify forgotten Broadway musicals. That we most likely found on vinyl for a dollar. So, this is the first episode that we are recording after we have released episodes into the world. So exciting. I'm excited and scared. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But you guys have been so nice on social media. You've said really awesome things. You've liked our posts. You've followed us on Instagram. It's really meant a lot to us. This is definitely a labor of love that we have held secretly in our hearts and in our living room for a long time and releasing it out into the world was scary but but it's out there now you guys made it a little bit easier yeah and if you haven't already please remember to follow us on instagram at buried broadway for more trivia on today's show or follow our facebook page by searching for buried broadway and of course you can always email us at buriedbroadway at gmail.com or you can visit our website beverelli.com i just put up some little show notes it's a pretty fun section check it out if you want to get in touch just follow this address it's b-e-v-a-r-e-l-l-i.com So the show we're talking about today is called Flowers for Algernon, which is also known as Charlie and Algernon in the United States. The music is by Charles Strauss, and the book is by David Rogers. It ran on Broadway for 17 performances and 12 previews at the Helen Hayes Theater. It opened on September 14, 1980 and closed on September 28, 1980. It ran on the West End at the Queen's Theatre, which has now been newly reconstructed and has been renamed the Sondheim Theatre and is now housing Les Mis. It opened on June 14, 1979, and we think it closed June 30th, 1979, after 29 performances. So to give you all an idea what was playing at the time, at the West End, Hello Dolly was playing with Carol Channing, Ain't Misbehavin' was playing with Andre De Shields, and the original West End cast of Chicago was playing as well. On Broadway, Day in Hollywood, A Night in Ukraine was playing. Also, they're playing our song with Robert Klein and Lucy Arnaz, which we might do on a later episode because I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> and Evita with Patti Lapone and Mandy Patinkin. So Flowers for Algernon was nominated for a Tony Award 1981 for Best Original Score. And it was nominated for an Olivier Award for Actor of the Year, which was also called Best Actor in a Musical. It's very confusing when you try and research it. But the person who was nominated was Michael Crawford. Michael Crawford. So the famous person of this show is Michael Crawford. (laughs) Um, And for those who don't know, he originated the role of Phantom in Phantom of the Opera. And that was only seven years after Flowers for Algernon. That's so crazy. So he played Phantom for three and a half years in three cities, winning an Olivier, a Tony, and a New York and L.A. Drama Desk Award. He was also in Barnum and recently was in 
well, kind of recently, was in The Go-Between. And the reason I note that is because I was supposed to see him in that show and I saw The Understudy instead, which he was great, but I really wanted to see Michael Crawford. <laughs> I'm sure you saw some nice pictures of him in the lobby. Oh, I did. <laughs> they were very big and it made me even sadder. But they had a really nice bathroom in that theater. I don't know what theater it was in. <laughs> As a side note, Jen and I like going to bathrooms in Broadway and West End houses, and maybe we'll talk about that later. Maybe we'll have a whole other <laughs> podcast about Broadway bathrooms. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> maybe some bonus content at a later date. And I promise you, this is a true story. Well, I just like the historical bathrooms. I don't like the remodeled ones. <laughs> I understand. Okay. Anyway, now that we're done with the bathroom section, let's get on to the real meat of the show, <laughs> the actual music and production. So the record we are going to play for you today is the original West End cast starring Michael Crawford that was recorded in 1979. We picked this record up on our honeymoon in Notting Hill, which is where we stayed. Well, technically the store was in Bayswater, but Notting Hill's funner. (laughs) Um, It's a store called Music and Video Exchange. We actually bought this record for four pounds, so I know it's not a dollar. Some of the records that we buy are not a dollar. Usually we try and keep it under 10, so full disclosure, four pound record. But the exchange rate was good, so it was fairly cheap. Waka waka. (laughs) (laughs) So before I read the summary for today's record, I do want to note that this was written in the late 70s, so there are some terms, particularly the R word, that are not considered good today. So I will read the back cover summary, but I'm going to replace it with a more appropriate term. Alice Kinnian, a teacher of adults with cognitive disabilities, has heard of a new medical technique to reverse cognitive disorders, which she hopes might help her pupil, Charlie Gordon. She brings a young man to Beekman Clinic to meet the men in charge of this experiment, Dr. Strauss and Dr. Niemer, which leads us to our first song. His name is Charlie Gordon. His name is Charlie Gordon, nice-looking and tall. So anxious to be liked, he'd do anything at all. Things don't come easy for him, but he has the guts to try. His name is Charlie Gordon, and he's quite a guy. So that was the opening number, and... Sounded kind of dark at the beginning. Oh, I think it sounded cute. I thought the children sounded kind of (laughs) creepy. But maybe that's a personal problem. I think it just kind of sounds like Annie, which makes sense because he was writing Annie and this at the same time. Charles Strauss. You're right. Okay, I have to probably re-listen to that. I just, you know, like any other musical theater child, listen to Annie far too much. So maybe it doesn't sound like Annie at all. (laughs) You got Annie on the mind. Always. And then the song has a second movement, which is really Alice introducing Charlie. And what I've learned is he's quite a guy. And she has a very inappropriate relationship with him from the very Very beginning. beginning. (laughs) Why is she talking about him like this? She's supposed to be his teacher. What is she doing? 
I don't know, but I think we should find out more. Okay, I'm scared. So, Alice tells the doctor about Charlie. He is 32 with an IQ of 68, but he can read... What is a normal IQ? Just Oh, I don't know. Let me see. (laughs) I'm going to do a little research. 100 is the average score. You have low IQ if you're below 70. So he's just below, really. I'm sure he researched this. So Alice tells the doctors about Charlie. He is 32 with an IQ of 68, but he can read and write at a third grade level and supports himself as a delivery boy for a bakery. He is also extremely anxious to learn. The doctors explain their newly developed operation injection technique. Quote, how many people have had the operation? Alice asks. They tell her that, so far, it has been only performed on mice, but one of the mice, whom they call Algernon, has an intelligence increased threefold, quote, and it's still growing, unquote. The doctors think the operation may increase the patient's mental capacity, perhaps to the point of genius, and very rapidly, quote, and if it fails, Alice asks, quote, it could produce no effect at all, or his intelligence might improve only temporary, or they admit. It might cause further cognitive disability. They urge Alice to take the risk and give Charlie Gordon a chance for a new normal life. Nervously, Alice agrees. The doctors interview Charlie, who is tense and unsure of the unfamiliar surroundings. Trying to reassure him, the doctors ask him to look upon them as friends. Which leads to the song, I Got a Friend. Friends. Okay. Friends. Hey, I got a friend today, someone to talk and play. I got a friend. That's very good, Charlie. Now, first I got a pal, he swells someone to show and tell. I got a pal. <laughs> now that I made me a friend of my own, I'm not afraid that I'd be all alone. I got a chum, I'm glad, never will I be sad. I got a chum to the end, I got a friend. I got a friend. That was so cute. And really sad. Why? I don't think it was sad. Well, I mean, it's sad because he only has one friend. Yeah, and the doctors are his friends. Oh. So, this actually sounds like maybe from Annie. It sounds like the part... Where she's singing, uh, Betcha he reads, betcha she sews, Maybe she's made me a closet of clothes. Yes. It's more than just sounds like it. I think it's exactly it. Or is it? Is it? I don't think it's exactly it, but it sounds dang similar. (laughs) Charlie is given a Rorschach test and runs a maze in a race against Algernon the Mouse which he loses. Impressed by his desire to get smart, the doctors decide to operate. I'm gonna get smart, Charlie proudly tells Miss Kinian, then asks, when? Which leads to our next song, Some Bright Morning. up smart I'll learn Olympic words I can't wait to start there's lots of work ahead you'll need death 
dedication But it's something you must earn I'll learn education So this one, it still kind of sounds like Annie to me. I can't put my finger on it. and It I, kind I, of sounds more like Bye Bye Birdie to oh, me. Oh, you think so? Mm-hmm. Well, I think I'm just more familiar with the Annie. Oh, I see. Yes, I'm an Annie connoisseur. Well, because she's an alto, she kind of just reminds me of Rose oh. in Bye Bye Birdie, which I'm not mad about because okay. I'm like, okay. yes, altos. I feel like Charles Strauss wrote a lot of good alto roles back mm. in the day. So I think this song is really cute. I really like the refrain, and I don't want to dub it my favorite rhyme yet, but maybe it will be. Someday things will light up. He'll pick himself right up. Oh, that's actually really nice. It's cute. Also, I laughed really, really hard when Charlie says, I'll even learn fractions like some college brain. Yes. What? <laughs> Let's see if his surgery worked. I'm imagining after this number, he's going to have that, like, classic head wrap on. Like, I got brain surgery (laughs) head wrap. Okay, yes, 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 yes. All right, so from here. After the operation, the doctors continue their treatment. They ask Charlie to write progress reports and give him a, quote, teaching machine. Before you sleep, they tell him, the machine will teach your conscious mind. While you sleep, it will stir up memories in your subconscious mind. Holy smoke, Charlie says, naively. If I gotta get smart for two minds, I'll never get smart. (laughs) As he sleeps, the machine brings to his mind his boss from the bakery, warm motherly Mrs. Donner, and his two teasing co-workers, Gina and Frank. Oh, Gina. And that leads us to our next song, Our Boy Charlie. Those are some new people. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm slightly confused by the song. First, the really positive thing. I do like the drum forwardness of this song. It seems to be like the thing at the forefront. I have to say, I've read reviews about this like recording in general um, on oh. Amazon, just because I was looking mm-hmm. around. And people hate how this was recorded. They're like, the instrumentals are so loud (laughs) and the vocals are so quiet. I feel like I'm opposite because I always think that the drums are so quiet in musical things. And I just want them to, I want to hear them and I can hear it. Well, this is the record for you. (laughs) So sometimes when I hear things, I have to hear them again. I did not hear this again. So maybe I'm not quite getting this. Um, But I'm confused by this song. Why? Because... He's dreaming about his co-workers, um, Mrs. Donner, Gina, and Frank. Mm-hmm. Um, but would he know this? Well, remember, this is after the operation. Okay. Cause... I, I'm, <laughs> I'm grasping at straws here, Because he seems to me, maybe, maybe at least he's remembering exactly what they say and the things are going over his head. But like, if you don't quite get it, like me. and are remembering certain things you're not going to remember like maybe the tone that they were saying it just doesn't really make sense to me i know they said they described gina and frank as teasing him yes 
I don't know if it's really teasing no. so much as really being gross. Frank says, did you make it with the nurse? And then he has the sweetest <laughs> response. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I made this doll. Yeah. <laughs> we made it together. Like the uh, the back of this thing says teasing. I think they're just being They're bullying. Assholes? Like they're <laughs> straight up bullying. Like it's not teasing. They are not nice. They are bullying. And I guess the other woman she was listed as being mothering. Yes. The only thing that I can see that's being mothering about her is that she's like, you're too thin. Eat a bagel. Waking, Charlie tells the doctors he knows how to run the mixing machine. Realizing he could never do this before, the doctors begin to hope for success. They test him against Algernon in the maze again, and this time, Charlie wins. Bum, ba, da, bum. Which leads to the next song. Hey, oh. look at me. Whoa. Hey, look at me. That's just the starter. Even right now, I'm getting smarter. I'm on my way today. There is no guy I can't be. Hey, look at me. Hey, look at me. Hey, look at me. Hey, look at me. Why am I crying? Laughing through tears. It's mortifying. What a relief. Good grief. I just want to let it out. So terrified that mightily I cried in fear and doubt. Now it's out. Hear me shout. So that was Hey Look at Me. And um, I, I don't really have much to say about the song. It's, it's nice. Yeah. The only thing is that I think that the character voice that Michael Crawford is using for this kind of sounds like the dentist boy in the claymation of Rudolph. Uh, Hermie, yeah. you forgot the name. I did, but <laughs> doesn't it kind of sound like that? It does. Charlie's intelligence increases rapidly. Alice is brought to the clinic to help his education and begins teaching him English literature, which immediately leads us to the next song, Reading. Whoa. Here we go. Andre goes off to war and Lisa dies but leaves a son. And Nikolai is fighting too. They fight Napoleon. Pierre's wife's name is Ella. She's the daughter of Prince Vasily. Pierre will go to war instead. He sets his peasants free. Did I forget to mention Andre has a sister too? And Ellen has a brother, or is this too much for you? When Andre meets Natasha, he loves her heart and soul. But she meets Ellen's brother, he's a cat. That's Anatole. I loved this book. I really did. You did? I did. You're crazy. I know. I don't know about this song. I I, I don't either. <laughs> it, it It is long. It goes on and on. <laughs> I mean, is it supposed to make you feel like you read War and Peace? It does show that he's getting smarter and smarter. I think that Michael Crawford's transition vocally from the beginning to the end of this number is really cool. He starts off in a character voice and then kind of gets to a little bit more of the Michael Crawford voice that we know. I mean, definitely not phantom quality, but getting there. Yes, you can definitely see the progression and he does a good job. This lady, Alice, she sucks as a teacher. <laughs> she has him read Jekyll and Hyde. Like, I, I how don't horrifying know. is that? Does she not have any sort of sympathy or empathy or anything? Like, she has no idea what he could possibly be going through. It seems a little too close to home. Yeah. Musically, 
the whole thing does remind me of book report from your good man charlie brown like as a whole oh really yeah i can hear that yeah the end just reminded me of it yeah like when he talks about uh peter rabbit because it's like this is he's telling us very quickly the story of all three of those books but then yes the end sounds exactly the same which i'm guessing is probably a very common opera ending we hear it at the end of um, gotta hate Shakespeare from something rotten. Mm-hmm. Um, immediately made me think of those things. Well, yeah, except for at the end of something rotten, they did not hold their last note for fifty six <laughs> seconds. So long. Holy mother! Shows off that Michael Crawford has breast support. As an asthmatic and a former smoker, <laughs> I can't possibly. <laughs> but yes. impressive, Michael Crawford. Very Huzzah impressive. to you. As Charlie's intelligence grows, so does a romantic feeling for Alice. Why? Haltingly, shyly, he asks her to go out with him. Alice, afraid of any emotional attachment at all. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. At the very beginning, it seemed like there was a little too much emotional attachment. She was like into it. (laughs) Yeah. Like, ugh. Alice, afraid of any emotional attachment at all, refuses him brusquely, and when he leaves in confusion, she reasserts her own attitude towards life. I love the children, that's all I can give. The school, the pupils, yes, that's where I live. And I want no surprises. I want life simple as it can be. And if I can help just a few with what I do, then it's plenty for me. Perhaps there's more to a life. Or is that just what they say? But I want no surprises. I like it that way. I like it that way. I like it that way. So that song, um, No Surprises. I have to say, it's kind of funky. It's funky? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's probably the mixing. (laughs) It might be. So this is the first song that I've heard where I I guess I agree with that reviewer that you mentioned where the mixing is kind of weird. Yeah, like for a song that's titled No Surprises, I was definitely shook. Yes, it's uh, attacked. By, by, what were those, trumpets? Maybe. I don't know. It's Attack of the Brass Instruments for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Whoa. I like this song. Yes, exactly. I was about to say that too. I, so here's the problem. I like this song. I don't think I like this character because she's contradicting herself in this song. If you Mm -hmm. take the song out of this show and out of the context, I think it's a good song. Yes. Within the show, I'm like, what the hell are you talking about, lady? <laughs> you are the one that found him a doctor. You're the one that seems obviously way too emotionally attached to one particular student. And she's like, no emotional attachment, no. Right. No. Mm, what are you talking about? You're already spending a lot of extra time on this dude. Right. Okay. Let's see what kind of other weird mistakes she makes and other laws she's probably breaking. Charlie tells the doctors about a nightmare he has had. In the dream, he returns to the bakery, but it is like some strange dance hall. His boss, Mrs. Donner, is there, but she seems to be a cigarette girl. Frank and Gina dance, but Gina is Miss Kinian. Finally, 
Charlie becomes enmeshed in a glaringly lit maze, struggling to free himself as a seductive woman threatens him sexually. What in the <laughs> world is this? And the song is called Midnight Riding. Oh, God. All right. Literally, I only wrote down one thing. Ew. <laughs> yeah, the song is called Midnight Riding. It made me feel icky. Uh, yeah, a little And weird. that's someone who survived Let My People Come, <laughs> episode one. It's funny. I wrote No Surprises was funky. This song is funky. I don't know. Would you call it funky or just like jazzy? Maybe. When I'm trying to create a picture in my head of what I think this number sounds like, it looks like a lot of red light. <laughs> really? I see a lot of blue. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Is blue your sexy color? <laughs> I don't know. Like, famously red is the sexy color. But <laughs> Famously. All right. Well, Mrs. Donner visits Charlie at the clinic. Although he is happy to see her, he becomes upset when she tells him not to return to the bakery. You've changed, he says. The others, they wouldn't know what to make of you. And me? It's not I don't love you. It's you ain't the Charlie I love. Sorry, that was, that was confusing. These are all very inappropriate things. Uh, like, all these relationships. This is your boss. Yes. What? I mean, I guess she's motherly. Yes, This yes. is her being motherly. Uh, when she leaves, Charlie, feeling alone and lost, asks himself, if they put Algernon back in the big cage with the other mice, what would happen to him? Suddenly, he recalls himself as a child, observing a fearful argument between his parents over his mother's refusal to accept little Charlie as he is. He remembers his mother's lullaby. So this is like Tommy. Yes. Okay. That song was called Dream Safe With Me. It just reminds me of like every children's lullaby album that you play to little kids. Okay, it really creeped me out. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm not saying those aren't creepy. But I thought this was supposed to be about his father not, what was it? Well, his father's not accepting. And so his... that's in a scene. Yes. And, and then this must be like consoling him mm-hmm. after. Yeah. Oh, I so... wish we wrote a song about the scene. Instead of just this weird lullaby. <laughs> I would like a confrontation song about like, my son has a problem and I don't like it. And the mom being like, you should love your son anyway. Yeah. That would be a good song. But instead we got this. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it serves its function, I guess. I don't know. I, what function? There is no function. <laughs> okay. To show that his mom was a nice person. That's the only. Yeah. Finally, Alice has agreed to go out with Charlie. What? What? That can't seem to go to nowhere. So I guess all this stuff is bubbling in the background because now all of a sudden Alice is back. The last time we saw her, she was like, no surprises. Yeah, she said no I'm surprises. And now 
she's well no technically the last time we saw her maybe was when she was like writhing around with frank oh yes in the dream where she's also gina finally alice has agreed to go out with charlie returning from a movie he is exhilarated but nervous talkative but unable to express what he really wants to say at last alice asks him is something wrong charlie which leads to the next song i can't tell you Oh, okay. This might be cute. Let's see. I'm learning eight languages. Five alive, three dead. I memorized a speech today. Knew exactly what I'd say. Now there is no word in my head. I can't tell you that I like you a lot. Excepting that's not exactly just what I want to tell you. I can't tell you what this evening has meant or that the event could be permanent. No. I can't tell you, can't seem to put my arms around you, can't even seem to catch my breath, and if I speak then by the sound you will know that I'm scared to death. I was right. It is sweet. It's cute. It is really short. I wanted a little bit more. For someone who was supposed to have gotten more intelligent... This seems like a very simple song to explain a very, very complex feeling. But maybe that's a statement that... Maybe he's never felt this way. Yeah, he's never felt this way before. So he's like mentally like super smart, but even the smartest people in the world could like not really quite... Articulate love? Yes, just like I can't articulate this sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Alice begs Charlie not to put their relationship on a personal level. What? I'm, I'm very confused. Wait, Alice, you're fucking confusing <laughs> They were as just hell. on a date. What? I'm really good. What is she thinking? <sighs> Alice is an idiot. He's changing too fast. Quote, every week you're a different person, she says. When you mature intellectually, I may not even be able to communicate with you. When you mature emotionally, you may not feel about me the way you think you feel now. I've got to consider myself too, Charlie. Unquote. What? Lady, I hate you. <laughs> I hate you so I'm much. I'm so confused. Like, of course, emotional <laughs> stability is very important and protect yourself and you're the only one that knows your own feelings. Uh, but what the fuck? Impo- no wonder people thought women were crazy. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is not an example of the strong female role. I'm mad. Huh. <sighs> Impulsively, he kisses her, and she feels her objections begin to melt away. After all this stuff where she was like, I don't think we should have a relationship. I don't think that this is a good idea. Yeah. I don't think that we should go on. He's just like, let me put my tongue in your mouth? Yeah, he's like, mm. And she's like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Who are these people? I don't know. Maybe this is in the book. I don't know. Okay. Okay. So, um, do you want me to go or stay? Charlie asks. For real. I want you to stay, Charlie. Alice replies. Which leads to the next song. Now. Oh, gross. Suddenly I'm ten feet tall. There is nothing I can do. Suddenly I've got it all. It's all wrapped up in you. 
So that was now. And I start getting some vibes of some Michael Crawford, like phantomy, like soft things there. All right. I was just generally creeped out and bored all at the same time. <laughs> okay, good. I didn't want to straight up say that. Um, just in Don't case. fear. I'll say what we're all thinking. <laughs> what the heck is Alice doing? Okay, okay. Yes. Um, it's just not that exciting. Choices, Alice. Yeah. Alice wants him to stay. Right. So whatever that is. For the first, I'm assuming the first time he's ever like canoodled someone. Mm-hmm. However far they're going with that canoodling. Yeah. One would think that this would be a bit more uh, va-va-boomy. Mm-hmm. But Especially it's... since his dream is very jazzy and crazy. And then we get to this and it's like... Kind of flows like a, a lazy river. <laughs> <laughs> Just floating on a tube. Um, there's one part that sounds a little bit like Hedwig. But only for two notes. <laughs> but that's how my brain works, and I'm sorry. Well, not but only it's is it also, two notes, it's, it's two also, words. Yes, it's the same yeah, words. Yeah, the lyrics and the words are the same. So it's the, suddenly I'm... And then, obviously, for Hedwig, it's like... But it, that's not how it goes for, for this. Charlie tells Dr. Strauss and Dr. Niemer that he and Alice have taken an apartment together. Whoa! Yep. <laughs> All right... Jeez, Louise lady. Wasn't he like a student? Anyways. <sighs> the doctors object strongly. Yes, doctors. Yeah, for real. Demanding that he remain at the clinic. Oh, they're just objecting because they want him to stay. Mm-hmm. Quote, the experiment is not over. Charlie and Algernon must be kept in a controlled environment. Unquote. They intend presenting Charlie and Algernon to a conference of the most important scientists and neurosurgeons in America. Both of us, Charlie asks. Both of you, the doctors reply. <laughs> what is important is to Charlie and Algernon is this experiment. Alone, Charlie removes Algernon from his cage. He snaps his fingers and is caught in a spotlight. He snaps his fingers again and a spotlight hits Algernon, turning the darkened lab into a vaudeville stage Yay! for Charlie and his mouse. I've been waiting for this number the whole time. Basically, just like how I would be if I actually saw this show, because fun fact about my life, I owned a mouse. Her name was Bettina. I loved her very much. She was my best friend. She went to uh, different places with me when I was doing regional work, and she had her own little travel bus that she would sit in the car next to the driver's seat. Anyway, I love mice. (laughs) And this song is called Charlie and Algernon, which is the title song in the U.S. title. Yay! Mises. Charlie and Algernon, pattern song. Do we belong together? Yes, we belong. Catch us in Waterville, you'll be a fan. You gotta love our billing of mouse and man. Our vocals may be squeaky, but we dance with such ease. And from our smiles, they're in the aisles because we say cheese. Come to the matinee, up your morale. With Algernon and Charlie, Charlie and Al. 
so cute. The song was fun. If if I didn't know that this was a song near the end of the show, I would think it would be the end of Act One. <laughs> yes. But number one, this is a one-act show. Number two, we are close to the end. Mm-hmm. I wish that they had put this song earlier in the show mm-hmm. like to establish their relationship there's so many dream sequences that it feels like it could actually be anywhere right like he's just dreaming like he doesn't have to be at a certain quote intellectual level or whatever basically i want more mouse yeah. i thought there would be more mouse this song definitely has to showcase the mouse and i think it does yes he gets a lot of cute jokes which I'm not sure if we will have time to play for you. In the middle of the song, there is a break in singing, and it turns into a old-school vaudevillian comedian number. Yes, a series of dad jokes. I would just call them puns. <laughs> but, <laughs> sure, that too. Um, my Lay fav- them on me. My favorite one is the first one, and it's a... Uh, some someone came up to me, tapped Algernon on the tail, and said, "Excuse me, young mouse. Can you tell me uh, uh, the way to the psychiatrist conference?" He says, "You're talking to a mouse. You're halfway there." Waka waka. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. Also, we should note that Michael Crawford's slight New York accent here is perfect. <laughs> so the second joke is. It's a wonder we're still working together. Algernon wants to split up the act. He says he feels trapped. <laughs> Where can a mouse... <laughs> yeah, I just get really excited about puns when they're about a topic that I like. <laughs> and I like mice, if that hasn't been made abundantly clear. <laughs> okay, tell me more mouse jokes. Where can a mouse do a single? The New York Stilton? Uh... <laughs> What's that? The Metropolitan Opera? What you gonna sing there? Mouse to singer? <laughs> Which I, I don't like this. I didn't realize Mouse to singer was a thing. Uh, who wrote that? Mausovsky? <laughs> so bad though. That one's really bad. And then it ends with, okay, okay. All right. Thank you, maestro. That one's really good. And Mikey didn't even get <laughs> it when not. he was writing it down. I was like, it's just a word. What are you talking Oh. Oh. Okay. Either way. Let's keep going, but I love this song. Yes. On the platform at the conference, the mouse's behavior suddenly becomes erratic. Oh, no. He refuses to run the maze. He bites the doctor who's handling him. Charlie, at the height of his genius, realizes there may be a flaw in the doctor's technique. There is a possibility of his own regression. The doctors deny it, bring the conference to a close. There is one last question from the floor. Mr. Gordon, now that you possibly face the same regression as the mouse, how do you feel? Charlie answers, frightened. Um, that was used to the next song, which is The Maze. Tortoise or hare, we will all of us finish the same. Nobody loses, nobody wins. Each one permitted, only so far. Hurry to get there, hurry to where. Why don't they wonder where they've been? Why don't they wonder where they are? Everyone enters the maze, there's no choice, so they must. 
mistrust Just at the end when they're tired and losing their breath Finally they see that the end of the maze will be dead So that song was The Maze. Um, the song's really, really heavy. Uh, <laughs> I love this song, though. Yeah. I think this song actually contains my favorite lyric. You haven't even picked a favorite lyric. I know. I've th- I was thinking that these might be my favorite. I, I kept holding on. You can on. steal these for you if you want. Yes, I'm going to steal them after you say them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, everyone enters the maze and at last starts to run. Why all the haste through eternity no one has won? I would say that is my favorite lyric. I feel like Thank you for writing it down. You're welcome. <laughs> it's so poignant and sad. Yeah. <laughs> I really, really like this song. These past two songs have been what I wanted this musical to be. Yeah, two of the best songs just slapped right against each other. I also really, really like the orchestration of this. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a carousel, and then at the end, the carousel like falls apart. Mm-hmm. Charlie begs Dr. Strauss to be permitted to use the intelligence he has been given to work on the project. Later, he vows to Alice he will find the doctor's mistake and correct it. I won't go back, Alice, he tells her. I won't let the old Charlie take it all away. My mind, my body, you. What if you fail, she asks. Then I have had this much. I have seen and done and lived more than most men, and I have known what it is to be in love. I don't regret this experience. And there is still time. How much time, Alice asks. Nobody knows how much time they have, Alice. There are no guarantees. Which leads to the next song. Whatever time there is. Today is all we're given. Let's take it. Live our whole lives now. Whatever time there is, each moment has to be as though it were eternity. If you and I pretend that this will never end, then we can make all time stand still and our love say i think because last time i heard that song i did not read the synopsis (laughs) i was a little more emotionally invested but now that i am not on alice's side for anything i don't like this song very much (laughs) i like the song i just don't it sounds nice it has that love story but like my love story piano bit is haunting as hell yeah it is great in the midst of charlie's feverish work on the project Algernon dies. Charlie buries him. He has a sudden frightening regression. He talks and acts for a moment like the old Charlie. Yeah, because death is sad and animal death is the saddest and mice death is the worst. Yeah. Oh, I don't. I mean, I've never had a mouse, but I imagine it to be very sad. They're just so little. But he is determined to finish his work. Don't you smile at me, Charlie. He yells at some private vision of his old self. I know you want in, but there's only one brain, and there's only one body, and they're mine. Which leads to the next song, just called Charlie. 
This is going to have some Jekyll and Hyde references in it mm. because stupid Alice made him read the book. <laughs> you were a smile, a joke, a clown who could amuse. But I'm a man in love, a man the world can use. I understand and sympathize. One of us lives, the other dies. I'm in control, my flesh, my brain, my heart, my soul, and I'll remain. It's you or me, I'm gonna be Charlie. Another sad song. Yeah, except for I thought it was going to be more about the mouse. He made it all about himself. Yeah, he did make it all about himself. I mean, I get it, like... He's very scared about dying or he had a connection with the mouse. Apparently not a big one. I definitely placed a bigger relationship than there really is in the support of the text. (laughs) (laughs) Charlie, completing his work, discovers the flaw in the doctor's theory and how in time it can be corrected. But is there time? However, it is too late for him. (laughs) I mean, oh. oh. His mental powers decrease rapidly, and not wanting Alice to witness his descent, he tells her to leave. You promised to go when I asked you. Please go. Before she leaves, he tries, with failing ability, to describe his feelings for her. Which leads to the last song. I really love you. Baby, I'll always think of you. Yes, I will. You know I will. And sometimes think a thought of me too. Do whatever time there is. We really had it. It was the greatest, but then we lost it somehow. the end for you at this point but maybe we'll play it after and it's really really sad it's it's weird because you kind of knew it was coming and i it's know still... and i forgot <sighs> i can't deal with animal death you guys <laughs> i'm sorry if that makes me pathetic but i can't so if you can't deal with animal death either maybe just skip ahead like 30 seconds when we're done with this segment. Not even, probably like 15. But if you want to hear a really, really sweet monologue, you can listen to it. <laughs> okay, review the song, go. It's just sad. I can't imagine ending a show on this sad, sad, sad note with a sad, sad, sad okay, song like this. But the song, it's like. <sighs> okay, I'm recovering. Okay. But the song itself is not sad, which I think is why it hits me. Like a ton of bricks when the monologue happens. Yeah. Because the song sounds like one is the loneliest <laughs> number one. It does. When I heard it, I was like, uh, so familiar, so familiar. That's it. It's all around. It's kind of strange, but it's it, weird, it works. weird way to end. Last thing I want to say about this plot for this segment is that it really falls off really quickly. Like it, it. 
there's Charlie and Algernon, the happy, happy number. Then it's like, boom, 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 death, death. Ah, ah, scary. Like a horrible <laughs> roller coaster. Yes. Down to a very dark tunnel. Mm-hmm. So if you want to plummet down a really dark tunnel, here's a really sad monologue. Skip ahead if you hate animal death. September 21st. I'm going away for good to the Warren Home School. I don't want people to cry and feel sorry. I don't know why I'm dumb again or what I've done wrong. If ever you read this, Miss Kenyon, don't be sorry for me. I'm glad I got a second chance in life, like you said, to be smart. Because I learned a lot of things that I never knew were in this world, and I'm grateful I saw it all, even for a little bit. And I did something for dumb people. Don't exactly remember what, but I guess I'm the first dummy who done it. Goodbye, Miss Kenyon and Dr. Nemmer and Dr. Strauss and everybody. Your friend, Charlie Gordon. Oh, P.S. Please, if you get a chance, put some flowers on Algernon's grave. Okay, we're still here. You're still here. It's going to be okay. A little bit about the history of the show to liven up the mood. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Charles Strauss wrote the music. He won three Tony Awards. He was nominated for four more Tonys. He won two Grammy Awards. Nominated for three Drama Desk Awards. He is in the Rochester Music Hall of Fame. The Charles Strauss School of Music is named after him at Five Towns College. He is currently 91 and living in New York City. He is not dead. No. (laughs) His first Broadway musical was Bye Bye Birdie in 1960, and it won a Tony for Best Musical. He wrote Annie, which also won him a Tony, and was on Broadway in 1977, two years before this opened in the West End. He also wrote a lot of shows that we're going to talk about in the future, such as Applause with Lauren Bacall, which won a Tony for Best Musical. It's a Bird. It's a Plane. It's Superman. Rags. Golden Boy. And Nick and Nora. So David Rogers wrote the book and lyrics. This show was referred to as, quote, his best known effort, end quote, in his obituary. He wrote a play version of Flowers for Algernon, which is notably more popular. He wrote the book for another musical called The Hobbit, a musical, which you can still get the rights for. I love that it's called Hobbit, a musical. (laughs) Anyways, he's known for adapting pre-existing stories. He has a few Broadway credits as an actor, including the 1996 revival of A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum as an understudy for Senex and Erroneous. He was also in, like many New York actors, a few episodes of Law and Order. Dun dun. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote a musical adaptation of A Midsummer Night's Dream with Alan Menken writing the music. It was called... The Dream on Royal Street, and if we find it, we will play it for I you. I want to hear it. <laughs> he was working on The Beverly Hillbillies, the musical, the year he died. And it seems as though his daughter, Amanda Rogers, may have edited it because it is up on dramatic publishing now under her name. 
So if we ever get a cast recording of that, we will maybe do an episode on that too. (laughs) So now for the actual history of the show. It's convoluted. It's crazy. It's a roller coaster of emotions. We go from the West End to Broadway. We are going to try to get through this very quickly because it's a lot of information. First off, I've never read this book before. This whole show, based on a book, never read it. I actually remember reading the short story that eventually turned into the novel in middle school, um, which was, I remember at the time, pretty dramatic. But Daniel Keyes wrote the novel, Flowers for Algernon, based on the short story that he wrote. He wrote in a memoir that David Rogers wrote to him to ask if he could write a musical based on his story. At this point, David Rogers had already written a straight play version that was being performed successfully for seven years regionally, so a dramatic publishing company wanted to help finance a musical version. Side note, producing companies don't usually do this. No. But a movie of Flowers for Algernon had already come out. So by law, Daniel Keyes, who wrote the book, had to ask Cliff Robertson, who played Charlie in the movie, since he had first right of refusal. Now, that's not normal either. Robertson owned the rights because he bought them after being in an episode of a TV show that was inspired by Flowers for Algernon, the book. Or maybe the short story, we're not sure. He decided that the plot should be a movie and bought the rights himself so he could guarantee himself the role instead of it going to a big name. It ended up winning Robertson an Academy Award, so it was a pretty smart idea in the end. Mm -hmm. But he wouldn't give up the rights, so it took three years for Keyes to get the Award of Arbitration and for Rodgers and Strauss to move forward with the musical. Which is ridiculous. Keys wrote the stinking book. Yes. This musical is in limbo for so long. (laughs) So because the musical was delayed, Charles Strauss transferred one of the songs he wrote for Charlie to his current production that was struggling. And this is the craziest fact of the entire show. The song that was transferred over was Tomorrow. That is now known for being an Annie. That was in this musical originally. I I just can't imagine. <laughs> this is... First of all, who sang it? It had to be Charlie, I guess, which would make it really sad. Would it be Charlie or would it be Alice? Alice? Mm, no, she's mm, not that nice. It has to be Charlie. She's not that positive. But would Tomorrow be as popular if it was in this show? Probably not. I don't know. No, it's a good song. If everyone who says anything negative about tomorrow, just revisit that song. It's good. It's a classic, so get a life. Daniel Keyes says this in his memoir about his first listen of the show. Quote, They had done it in the lyrics and music, the equivalent of the story's spelling and sentence structure, showing Charlie's rise and fall by the way he communicates. End quote. The show had its first out-of-town tryout at the Citadel Theatre, a regional theatre in Edmonton, Canada. P.J. Benjamin, who ended up playing the Broadway Charlie, was offered the role of Frank and understudy Charlie, Michael Crawford. He declined. <laughs> but the show was well-received in London. Michael Crawford performed... 
I believe it had to be Charlie and Algernon, that song, uh, while the mouse ran around his shoulders from one hand to the other. And the audience liked it so much that Crawford did it again in 2003 while playing in the West End musical The Woman in White. Although I think it was a rat that time. So another crazy fact is Daniel Keyes said that Andrew Lloyd Webber saw Michael Crawford in the role of Charlie and it's the reason he became the Phantom. Which is bonkers <laughs> banana pants. It's nothing similar. You said it was similar at one point. Oh, but did-ish, but it's not the same. Not remote. It's... His voice doesn't even sound remotely similar. No, it like it doesn't reach the same level of support. I don't know. I think he was more thinking he could emotionally handle the role. Maybe. Because if you don't give the Phantom depth, then he's just he's a... just like a creepy dude. <laughs> but if you give him like layers of character and that's true. Maybe that's... He was like, you acted great in this. Let me hear if you can sing this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he didn't, like, offer it to him outright. Like, <laughs> no. here, sing this opera. <laughs> but I don't know. That 56-second note could have been it. That probably is something there. So here's a clip from the Wall Street Journal. Quote, The London theater is in deep financial trouble. The recent near doubling of the national sales tax, known as value-added tax, or VAT, is forcing higher ticket prices and driving away new audiences. West End producers and actors were recently shocked by the closing of two productions everyone expected to be hits. Flowers for Algernon lasted only 29 performances, end quote. So, this is the reason that Daniel Keyes blames in his memoir that the show closed. And it very well might be true. Yeah, it might be. I mean, they increased the VAT tax, which is basically the UK equivalent to our sales tax. They increased it from 8% to 15%. So people knew that this was happening. It was implemented on June 18th. And remember, this show opened on June 14th, 1979. So this happened, and people were running around buying big ticket items that they, you know, were going to spend exorbitant amounts of money on. They were buying refrigerators. They were buying new cars. So no one was really going out to enjoy themselves at the theater they were prioritizing. Dramatic publishing approached Folger Theater to do Flowers for Algernon, which is crazy for two reasons. Firstly, a publishing company approached the theater to do the show. Which, like, very rarely happens. Usually it's a theater that approaches a publishing company and says, hey, can I do this show? And they're like, sure, pay us a butt ton of money. Like, could you imagine MTI being like, hey, Kennedy Center, you should do Grease. Like, no. Uh, But also, Folger Theater, I mean, it was different then. But now it is known for mostly doing Shakespeare. And classics. Yeah, and classics. The Folger Shakespeare Library is there. So a lot of you listening probably have a copy of a Shakespeare play and it says Folger Shakespeare Library. That is what it is from. We also are, we went into a little bit of depth in here because we are from Washington, D.C. So this is particularly interesting to us. A chairman from the Kennedy Center was also on the board at Folger. So he arranged a deal that Folger could use the Terrace Theater, which is their smallest theater, for two productions a year. Also strange. 
Initially, this ran for a month at the Terrace Theater, and it did really well, so Folger and the Kennedy Center decided that they wanted to take it to Broadway. A few months later, they were back in a former Folger Theater rehearsal space, tweaking the show to be produced at the Eisenhower Theater, which is the second-to-largest Kennedy Center space, but it's the one I prefer. I think it's the prettiest one. Mm -hmm. So, fun fact, we in the middle of our research, realized that the rehearsal space they are talking about is a church basement in Capitol Hill that we have both auditioned in before. (laughs) So it's just crazy. Very strange. Charles Strauss was afraid that in a larger theater, you wouldn't be able to see the mouse. And apparently, according to one audience member, you couldn't. Because they said that during one number, which was probably Charlie and Algernon, it looked like Charlie was just flailing his arms around. One tweak that they made was changing the title because they thought it would breathe new light into a show that had already had a sordid past. And it also was already the name of a song, so it's pretty convenient. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I feel maybe they thought the show was cursed? I guess, but like, this was a popular book, so the title, Flowers for Algernon, should be enough. It finally got to Broadway September 14th, and it wasn't well-received. Uh, We could only find one review that tried to analyze the show. The others kind of just summarized it. It was a New York Times article from September 21st, 1980, a week before the show closed. The only thing that the reviewer liked was the mouse. Quote, I've given Algernon more credit here because discrimination will probably keep him from getting a Tony nomination or even other parts. (laughs) End quote. (laughs) Like that quote is great because it's, It's funny, and it's also a burn to, like, everyone. Yeah, it's, like, really... It's rude, but I kind of like it because I like the idea of a mouse getting a Tony nomination. (laughs) That could be, like, a a short story that you could write in the future. There we go. You can have that. Anyone out there. The reviewer also thought the lyrics and choreography were particularly awful but does make sure to mention how disappointed he was in Charles Strauss's composing. Which is so rude. So if you want to read this review or anything else that we talked about in this history section, you can visit our website, beverelli.com, and go to the show notes section. And I've created a kind of blog post and citation list of everything that we use to research this episode. And I'll be trying to keep that updated for all episodes just so you can see more pictures and know exactly where we're looking to get our facts. Also in the show notes, I will be including a link to where you can get the rights to perform the show. So now is when we ask... The big question, should this show still be produced? Three, two, one. I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) I say yes, question mark, with reservations. Yeah. Some of the material of the show, if done incorrectly, could be perceived as offensive. Um, And also, I would like to see the final version too before i gave my final verdict i think it also depends on who you cast as charlie correct and how they are portraying it slash how it's directed but 
Yeah, it could be very, very horrible. Or it could be really, really moving. Yes. But also, I still don't like the first half. Yes. So, ergo, I mean, I'm not sure if I agree with someone producing this because I feel like people who are sensitive to this topic might get up and leave. I would agree. And not wait till the end where things get really deep. Like, I'm hesitant to say no because I do like a decent amount of the music and I definitely don't like seeing musicals fading away. I wouldn't be mad if Charles Strauss revisited this. I'm not sure if he legally can since it seems to be a rights nightmare. (laughs) But I think there's something to this and I think with a modern lens that's a little bit more progressive when it comes to people with disabilities, this could be a really, really good show. So I think our final verdict is yes with reservations. Yes with a asterisk. And a huge disclaimer. <laughs> now if you fall into that category of the theater that can do this. Dramatic publishing is who you have to contact, obviously, if that wasn't made abundantly clear <laughs> by how enthusiastic they were about this musical. They don't have a calculator on their website. The minimum royalty rate is $80 per show. But with our rules and regulations of this segment, so a 100-seat theater, tickets costing between $25 and $50, and 16 performances, I think we're going to be, if not double the minimum, somewhere around there. Yeah, because with the calculations for 16 shows, the minimum is 1280 but there's no way this show... Well, there's no way any musical is less than five, six thousand dollars for for our statistics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but honestly, guys, don't let our reservations deter you. If you really, really liked this and you really, really were inspired to put on this show, do it. Make sure you are doing it with a very sensitive approach. But you shouldn't be afraid. Also, if you use a real mouse, make sure you treat it with kindness and oh my God, professional respect and professionalism. Call me. I'll be there. I'll help. We have finally gotten to audition cuts. <laughs> One of my favorite parts because it makes this stuff relevant. I love I it. I mean, not like it's not relevant, but I'm not a producer. So this is the only way that I can actually produce this show (laughs) and also at this point if you're an actor you can actually use this truth so my audition cut is from some bright morning i actually found an alice bit that i like this cut is a little bit long if i were to do this in a real audition setting i would probably take out one of the repeats of some bright morning and go straight to the soon That way it kind of cuts it down on time a little bit. You'll hear it. Here you go. Some bright morning he will start his climb. He'll see his goal now. All it takes is time. And someday things will light up. He'll pick himself right up.
So yeah, I would probably just take out one of those some bright mornings. So like sums it up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that is a solid cut. I actually really enjoy it. I think you could use it for any classic alto. I can't think of any right now because I'm emotionally exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're up. Let me guess. You picked a Charlie song. Well, yes, I chose a Charlie song. I chose an early Charlie song because I want it to be a happy Charlie song. So the song I chose was I Got a Friend, which they'll immediately say, You got a friend in me. You're like, no, from Flowers for Algernon, the musical by Charles Strauss. (gasps) Wow, what a conversation starter. And then they'll hear it and it'll sound just like Annie. (laughs) Yes. So I am starting for the part of the end that will sound just like Annie. Let's go. Now that I made me a friend of my own, I'm not afraid that I'd be all alone. Go, three, four. I got a chum, I'm glad never will I be said. I got a chum to me and I got a that was a fun audition cut i think it's really short really short it's still like you know it's it's about a little less than 30 seconds yeah i think it's very versatile i think it's just good for children's theater what else (laughs) no i'm being honest what else i mean it could be that i just think of annie when i hear that but i'm like oh it could be used for oliver or for a children's show that you know you don't know yeah or you could just have in your book for a second song that's up tempo I'm not sure about how an accompanist would feel about the one, two, three bit. It seems a little bossy, (sighs) but I guess you could not say it or it could just seem playful, but I don't. You could just cross it out and say, I'm not saying this and they'll be like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. But then what are you going to do? Dance. You could (laughs) dance. Just do a triple right there. Because when you can't speak anymore, you sing. And when you can't sing anymore, you dance. And I'm sure that this song elicits that reaction. (laughs) Anyway. Okay, so speaking of reactions, your final reactions for this show. I think Uh, we have thoroughly exhausted our opinions and views. I just want to say that I do like it. I don't mean to be iffy. Well, it's just also really sad. It's not even it about sad. being iffy. It's just, I'm depressed now and I need chocolate and I need to hug my cats and I need tea. Yeah. And if I saw this advertised as part of a Charles Strauss festival somewhere and I happen to be free, I'd probably see it. Well, that's all for today. Thank you so, so much for listening. Yes, thank you so, so much. I'm sorry we made you cry. <laughs> if you liked what you heard the you know us talking bit not the songs because sad uh please leave us a review on itunes but only if it's nice if you want to email us any suggestions you can do that at buriedbroadway at gmail.com please follow us on instagram at buriedbroadway or search for our page on facebook we really appreciate all the support so far yes thank you guys so so much please spread the word tell your friends share us on social media it would really really mean a lot we're a tiny baby podcast (laughs) what What will will we dig dig up up next (laughs) bye toodles i know we just played you some songs from the show but that 
doesn't mean we have the rights, you know. We're educating you and ourselves, you see. With musicals lost in history. So please don't call your lawyers. That would kill the vibe. We just want to make podcasts. And keep buried Broadway alive. Algeron, I'm going to take you up to my room and give you a big lump of cheese as a booby prize.